Hello, this is Key Ideas, and I'm your host, Leela This. This podcast contemplates the rhythm of life as a piano teacher and music maker. Through illuminating interviews and transparent reflections, you'll feel validated, encouraged, and empowered. Before I get started introducing episode number 62, I'd like to take a brief moment and say that I'm honored that you're here with me as we usher in 2023. Turns out that 23 is beginning to look a lot like a repeat of 22. Last year, my husband and I spent Christmas without family, but that was okay because we anticipated spending the week after Christmas with our kids. COVID put a kibosh on those plans as most of them came down with the bug and we canceled our plans. This Christmas, we again spent it without the family, but we anticipated a visit with my sister's family and my parents. That was until Southwest Airlines put a kibosh on their flights. Thankfully, none of our family members were stuck in line at the airport battling to board a flight home. I hope you or a loved one were not caught in one of those lines. I've come to realize that I'm not surprised by surprises anymore. 2023 has arrived just in time to remind me yet once again that things don't go as planned. As musicians and teachers, it's our nature to plan and assume that our plans will stick. So as you push the refresh button on a new year, here's your reminder that things happen and may get in the way of your goals and aspirations. As you adjust and pivot, remember, you are not alone. Speaking of adjustments, Key Ideas is in for one. As it turns out, my dear friend and producer Drew needs to move on, and so I'm taking over all the duties of the podcast production. To keep life balanced, the podcast will air every other week. This will give me the space to ensure that the content and quality of Key Ideas stays intact. Again, thank you for sticking with me. Again, this is episode number 62, where I hang with cool teacher, Andrea Zimmerman from frosty Minneapolis, Minnesota. Our conversation is based on something she revealed to me in an email. Have I sparked your curiosity? (laughs) Hint, Andrea shares why she and her husband can afford to take 10 weeks off every summer to travel. No spoiler alert here. You'll have to listen to hear her story and make sure to listen to the end when you get to hear Andrea sing for us. You will be swooning. Before we get started, thank you to Forte for sponsoring this episode. Forte is a free alternative to Zoom purpose built for music teachers. Forte puts you and your teaching style at the center of the educational experience. In particular, Forte offers industry-leading audio quality. Our mission is to empower teachers to do their best teaching online. Sign up for free and start teaching your students on Forte today. Just go to ForteLessons.com. Another shout out goes to Renee Holloman, my dear friend and fellow piano teacher who generously shares her voiceover talent. Here she is now to tell you more about Andrea. Andrea Zimmerman created AJ's Music Factory in 2012 and is currently an instructor of piano, voice, and songwriting. She has been teaching private piano lessons since 2002 and is passionate about instilling a love of music and creativity in her students that will enrich their lives. Andrea studied music education at Augsburg College in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and received a Bachelor of Music in Piano Performance and Vocal Performance from McNally Smith College of Music in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
She also has a background in music business and publishing, having worked at ASCAP Nashville, American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, and Big Loud Shirt Publishing in Nashville, Tennessee. Andrea is the Director of Contemporary Worship Arts at Salem Covenant Church in New Brighton, Minnesota. She also performs in multiple bands in the Twin Cities area. Now, here's Leela with Andrea. Well, good morning, Andrea. We were just talking about the weather over there. doesn't sound so nice compared to here where it's bright and sunny. Tell us where you're coming from today. Good morning, Leela. I am coming from just outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it is quickly turning into the winter season upon us. It's cold and rainy and almost to the point of snow. So, Well, what Minneapolis has that I don't think Denver quite has is the culture scene. So the cultural scene. So uh, bravo to you. So I guess you put up with the cold weather, but you get a lot of culture along with we, it. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how much culture we had. I moved uh, I moved out of the state for a while and then realized just how fortunate we are in Minnesota. There's so much theater and live music and, and all of that. So yeah, it's a great place to live. Well, I want to talk about how you landed in Minnesota and what you're doing there now. But before we do, let's just let's head back down memory lane and talk about how we first met. I don't recall the first time that I met you. The first time that we met, I'm trying to remember if it was, I, I think that it was when you had the ADA Creative Keys workshop. It was like, I think there was one in 2014 and we did that together mm -hmm. and and then i think it was 2015 i saw you again um at the nckp conference that was in okay. chicago yes. and then i did another creative keys workshop a couple years later but i think 2014 was the first time oh very nice yes. yeah um, and i do remember you at all of those uh, events but i don't always remember the years so yes we've had quite a long track record. And I'm so appreciative that you got on board with this whole creative track, but I'm not surprised because of who you are. So let's go there just for a second. Tell us a little bit about Andrea and what you do in a day. I know you're a piano teacher, but you're also a voice teacher. So tell us a little bit more about you. I, yeah, I am a piano and voice teacher and focusing mostly on contemporary music. My background is in, um, is in contemporary studies. So I got a double degree in uh, piano and voice performance from a school called McNally Smith College of Music in St. Paul. And that was strictly a contemporary music school. Um, unfortunately, it's no longer existent in existence after the last couple of years, but it was absolutely fantastic training. And all of the wonderful instructors from there are still around the cities. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I got the degree in music and then I went to Nashville for a little while and I was in music business, I was in music publishing, and I was also working for the Performing Rights Organization of ASCAP. And then I decided, I had been teaching uh, when I went to school, and I decided when I was in Nashville that my real calling was to work with children and how much I missed that. And mm -hmm. Nashville was very exciting, but I, you know, I just really missed the interaction of kids and teaching. So um, I moved back to Minnesota and that was in 2010. And I got into a band where I was the singer and the lovely keyboardist slash guitarist. 
in the band um became my husband a couple years later oh that's yes. handy. <laughs> yeah that, that worked well that worked well for me um <laughs> so we got married in uh 2014 um which also meant that i had to move my business um which i had established i had to move it across town um and and restart so there was that whole avenue that happened in my life um i also with my husband we run the music school aj's music factory so i teach piano and voice and he teaches guitar and ukulele and then we also are active at salem covenant church in new brighton where i in the last year after being a vocalist for nine years there the last year i took over as director of contemporary worship arts and so i'm overseeing the the growth of the contemporary program there Good for you, uh, because yeah. that's a whole another podcast subject right there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yes. it is. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot to that. Yes. Okay. I, I want to step back just for a second. So, thank you for that recap of uh, quite a few things went on during a short <laughs> amount of time. Uh, so, wow, you wanted to go back to kids instead of staying in Nashville. That's pretty. That's pretty significant. And can you pinpoint exactly why? Yeah, I you know I was working. Um, in the publishing business and sitting at a desk and i thought you know this this is not as glamorous as, as people believe like there's a few glamorous moments in the music business but the majority of it is desk work you know and and um i just didn't that didn't really fester with my soul all that much and i just love children and i think they're so much fun and they bring such energy to life and um so i just decided that that was really my calling and there was no reason for me to stay in nashville anymore so i came back and so kiddos are a little bit more glamorous than I guess. They're more glamorous than the Nashville <laughs> scene. Let me tell you. Wow. Okay. I could have never imagined, <laughs> but okay. Thank you for uh, just refilling my fuel tank here because yes, every once in a while like, okay. So, okay. Another thing that caught my attention is this was back a, couple, a number of years ago, pre-pandemic where you were there was a problem about moving across town. You had a studio in one location and now you were going to go to a new place within the Minneapolis area. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. But it was about a 45 minute drive across town to where I ended up with my husband. And that was when it didn't snow. So yeah. Yeah, and, that, and this, and <laughs> this was true. like pre, you know, the real online lessons yes. or else that would have been a whole different thing. But well, yeah, I know. Cause now you look at it and like, would you have been so concerned about it now? You know? No, no, not at all. I would have continued on it during the online route, you know, but that wasn't really a thing then. Jana Carlson in a previous episode asked that question, and I had never thought of it before, but how many decisions do you make based on your studio? And obviously that was a huge one right there. Like, wow, I'm going to have to move my studio and this is going to be a big deal. Mm -hmm. And tell us, um, spoiler alert, tell us how it all went for you. Are you doing okay now? Yeah, yeah, it was a massive transition. I think, um, yeah, I had a, a few moments of complete panic and um, and overwhelm in doing it because it did take me um, about, I would say three years where I slowly would um, take a, a day away from the one area and I would cont continue the commute. And then, um, and then I would slowly add in and I was in a dance studio. Um, I found a dance studio that rented me a little room um, to start up and which was great because there was constant families that were starting to see me when I was a complete unknown. Um, but at the same time, you had like, doom, doom, 
like the whole time that you're trying to like teach yeah. piano lessons and like okay listen to this metronome and not the well, dance i was beat. gonna say you've got uh what a continuous metronome going yeah yeah it, it was a it was a bit of a struggle but we made it through and um and now yeah things turned out things turned out great we ended up um building a studio behind my house that attaches and so my commute is now two steps down and oh. i say i'm winning back my time um yes. and it's it's been it's lovely and i can teach until i am an 85 year old lady here which i intend to do so uh, as long as there's no commute and it's great yeah. Well, no one knows what you look like right now because we are not recording the visual of this, but you look about 15. So you're going to be teaching for a long time yet. <laughs> Thank you. I, that's yeah, <laughs> I did not know that you built a studio right next door in your or next to your home. Is it part of your home attached to your it home? It is. Yeah, okay. it, it had to be with our with the with the town laws. And so, um, yeah, so we we knocked out uh, a wall and a closet and we just attached it. And um, so now it's just a part of the home and and there's uh, like there's a bathroom and there's a waiting room and there's a sidewalk that goes around to the back and so it's completely private um and it's so yeah so that's great and i run a studio now that has about 55 to 60 kids depending mm. on the year so it's it's been successful and i'm very very grateful for that so no doubt and does that include your husband's students as well it does not uh okay. that's just that's just mine and um because we can only have three people on our property at a time with our laws my husband actually ends up teaching from um from a music around and in which is a, a music instrument place um mm -hmm. and rents from there and so he's still a part we're still in the business together but he is a couple miles down the road from me okay because i mean that's a whole nother episode we could talk about <laughs> our zoning laws and so yeah. it sounds like you found out what the laws were and then complied so good for you because Thank you, you. you don't want to be stuck anywhere <laughs> and was that difficult for you oh yeah yeah it was very difficult um the it, you're right, it's a whole nother episode, but it took us about six months to get just the paperwork through. Mm. They fought us tooth and nail because they did. They saw us as a business and they did not want a business um, to be residential. And so it was it was a tough go for a while and kind of felt like you're being the head against the wall, but eventually they just didn't have a ground to stand on because we were within the the total legal limits and, and we're obviously not disruptive. So <laughs> right. we're, we're pretty quiet business. Well, now you think about it, how many people have a home business? Just mm -hmm. about everybody, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Mm. Yep. Well, okay. So now let's go to the reason why I said, Andrea, you have to be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, you were following up after joining the Composium uh, a month yeah. or two ago. So thank you so much for being part of that. And you it's had very nice things to say. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And then you also followed up with this paragraph. So I'm going to read it so that our listeners can hear it. And then let's jump into this because this is pretty significant. Okay. Finally, I wanted to mention one more thing as I was talking to my husband, Michael, about it the other day. It is because of your wealth of ideas and encouragement through the years that I ventured into the land of lab time. Now we're ta talking about Labrador. We're talking about <laughs> an actual time spent where students uh, go above and beyond their lesson time with you and do other assignments generally that are iPad or computer related. 
Okay, so moving forward. And because of lab time, Michael and I are able to take vacations to different parts of the world every summer. When I calculate out the year, lab time brings in an extra fourteen dollars to $15,000 a year. This is life-changing for us. I will forever be grateful for you sharing this idea with the world. Plus, I love having the energy of two kids in the room at the same time. And for some families, three kids on rotation. So this was, wow, it was eye-opening to me. And yet I knew exactly what you were saying. And yet I had never heard a dollar amount and, and what that dollar amount allowed you to do. So let's now step back just a little bit. And what made you think you might want to add an off bench component to your lessons? Well, I was really learning from you back in, you know, the 2013, 2014 area of my life where I had really decided that teaching was going to be my main adventure um, and my main career. And so thank you for being such a wonderful mentor. Um, and just, you know, in your online presence, and so many of us have had the gift of Leela. So oh, much, sweet. well, it's true, much appreciation for all that you've put out there for us. Um, and yeah, and I would watch what you were doing with this online or the the lab time and i thought well that looks like that looks like a lot of fun like i i and not only fun but there's so much that i wanted to teach my kids that i didn't have the the time to do um to make them well-rounded musicians and things that were really important to me like um when i went to contemporary music school you know, they're like, okay, we're going to do the song by the Beatles. And then we're going to do the song by Stevie Wonder and by Pink Floyd and, and Aretha Franklin. And I didn't know any of these people. Um, you know, I was really just influenced with the, with classical music. I was very classically trained. Um, oh, my mom okay. is a music teacher as well. And my brother is a, is a, is a classical musician as well. Um, so I was very classically trained. So when I went to music school, I realized I would, I knew classical and I knew just um, what I'd heard on the radio growing up and that there was so much music through the decades that I didn't know. And I really, that was a huge factor for me. I really wanted my kids to know about the different artists. Um, so that was kind of what started the ball rolling. I never looked at it financially. Like mm. that was not my first, um, my first reaction to it, it was, this is, would be really fun. And how much more could I give the kids with this? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. A couple of questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my wheels are turning. What are you doing to help your kids learn about current, current artists? We want to know how are you, how are you using this off bench time to inform them? Yeah, there's um, some, some years I focus in on artists so i'll have like five artists um throughout the year and they'll do like a three-week study or a four-week study um on the artist so they've studied uh elvis presley and they've studied uh stevie wonder we had really a lot of fun with lin-manuel miranda last year and studying uh all that he had accomplished in his life um studied aretha franklin uh this this year um, I changed route a little bit and we were studying decades of music. So I started mm -hmm. in the 1950s um, and now I'm just putting together the 1960s unit, which could go on forever. Let's be real. But um, yeah, so I, I use a few different things. Um, there's a, many, many, many products. You don't have to, you know, reinvent the wheel on these things. So uh, teachers pay teachers. If you go to that site, you will find 
a wealth of information on on musicians and decades of music that you can use. What I do is I take it, I take the information, and then I kind of make it my own. Um, I found a wonderful girl that had created all of these decades uh, Google slideshows and I don't need all the information and some of the videos I don't want and I want to put in other videos that are more relevant to what I'm teaching or to to what I want them to learn um, and then I uh, took the slideshow because we were doing it for lab time and a lot of my kids are young um, so I I created voiceovers for every single slide so I read to them while they're doing it um, and then I try to have fun with it. My my goal is is not to make them geniuses of the 1950s. My goal is that they get an appreciation for it and an understanding. Um, so they'll go through you know a few slides and a few videos of artists. And then um, there's a great website called puzzle.org, and you can mm -hmm. create all these puzzles. It's like uh, to get the the big membership. It's forty nine dollars a year, which is a drop in the bucket for the wealth that it gives me. Um, so I will make crossword puzzles for them, word searches uh, from the slides, um, jigsaw puzzles that like online jigsaw puzzles that they can create um, of like album covers from different artists <laughs> and while they do all these things um, when they're working on the word searches or whatever I create a Spotify playlist and it has all of the artists that they're learning about and then you know over the course of three four weeks the kids are um, really finding their favorite songs and uh, for instance I had a mom that reached out the other day and and her nine-year-old she 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 just said in the email she's like my nine-year-old keeps singing 16 tons and she goes does this have anything to do with you <laughs> so i mean when when would kids be hearing 16 tons and really grabbing on to the point where they're singing it at home so wow. it's just that it's creating an avenue to um explore more things and that's of course just a part of it the other we do many other things but a part of it uh throughout the year is is creating these these opportunities to learn about the artists and the decades well, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, it takes someone with your ingenuity and creativity to create something like that. Because I think a lot of people think, or a lot of teachers want, okay, please tell me what to do. I'm going to buy this and I'm going to do exactly that. And like you, I feel that it never really fits my needs. And so, yes, you are always going to restructure something. And, and that does take time. And I know some teachers are afraid of that time. But tell us, do you think the time that you put into these projects are worth it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, I might spend, uh, you know, it's a upwards sometimes of like 10 hours on the 1960s, but I'm going to use that for a solid right. month at least. And then I, I calculated actually before I got on with you that I am, I'm making at this point approximately uh, almost $400 a week doing lab time. So I spent $10 on the 1960s decades slides that gave me a, a boost and a head start. Um, but then, you know, I've made $1,600. And so my 10 hours of time plus my $10 really became um, very, very beneficial in my pocketbook. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And is that all you do? Is that you just focus on different artists? Or do you supplement with other things as well during your off time? 
I, I, I supplement uh, quite a bit with um, music theory related things and mm-hmm. uh, apps and note names, note name training. Um, the studio definitely has some favorite apps, a lot of rhythmic apps, um, piano maestro. Sometimes, sometimes I need a break. I'm not yeah. going to lie. And sometimes like it's, it's Christmas season and I'm putting together the Christmas shows. Guess what kids you get piano maestro this week. And like, you're <laughs> going to hang out on yeah. that piano with the headphones with piano maestro. And there are just weeks like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's a lot of um, music history and world music, um, I use Rick Steves. If you're the European oh, I love travel Rick guy, yes. yeah, well, there's I do a whole too. story about why. Like, okay, so what yeah. does he have? He has um, uh, Classroom Europe, and oh. you can go in to Classroom Europe on his website, and you can type in music, and you will find little snippets. You know, five to seven minutes of music from around the world, or at least from around Europe, um, and you can build off of off of that. Um, so that's really fun. And, you know, we'll do things like, how does a piano actually work? There's a YouTube video on it and there's, there's a wealth on YouTube to use. Just, you know, I just say, be careful, make sure that you've got the settings on, um, you know, for the kids settings and, and on your iPad or, or computer device, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to be done with, uh, just venturing out into, um, Showing showing kids that there's more to music than than just being in the studio, you know. I I like to show buskers from around the world, and so oh. we might be we might be studying um, a genre of you know uh, Stevie Wonder, for instance, and uh, and then you see some buskers that you know there's a quartet in the New York subway, and and just for kids to understand that um, that these people like are they influence, and also for a lot of things i want my kids to know yeah these people are still alive like you know we're about to go into the beach boys and the temptations actually i did a whole lesson on or unit on the beach boys last year and then the beach boys ended up coming into town to their state fair to the grandstand and so i did have a couple families that actually went because we'd studied the beach boys and now going into the 60s we have the beach boys and the temptations and the temptations opened for the beach boys so i took video of them and so i can slip into the slideshows video of me watching you know i've got my face in it real quick and then be watching them so it's like yep these people are still alive and and you can Uh still go see them so um yeah so we do a lot of a lot of things beyond the artist the artist approach and um a lot of rhythmic training one of the favorite of course there's rhythm uh rhythm swing Mm -hmm. but also a huge favorite that the kids actually beg for is rhythmic village Oh yes, you told me about that one, mm-hmm. and and the kids just love that, and then they can all have their own separate accounts on that one. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really a nice app uh, to just kind of have in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. We, you know, usually I try to have uh, more things to do than less for the kids, but sometimes they, sometimes you got quick learners, and and uh, it's nice to have a couple apps that they just love that are you know that they're really getting benefit from. Mm-hmm. Well, often I will get questions from teachers about well. Do you keep track of their progress? Do you keep track of their scores? And I used to, I used to have sheets and I used to have everything. And then I'm like, you know what? That is just too, that is above and beyond my 10 hours that I want to spend. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. What I notice is that my students like, well, I'm going to do that again because I didn't get three gold stars or I didn't, I didn't meet my goal that I wanted to. So it has nothing to do with me recording their scores. Do you find that as well? Yes. And I did the exact same thing. 
Okay. I had all the spreadsheets <laughs> yeah. and I made all these cute little graphics uh-huh. that they yeah. could, and it was just a headache. And, yeah. um, so yeah, it, as long as, you know, they'll say I'm done with, with something like with a tenuto exercise. And so I yeah. walk over, it's like, are they, you know, yeah. do they comprehend this? Yes or no. That's yes. what I need to know. If you got a couple wrong, I could care less. And, right. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to track that anymore. Um, so yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. And I think having plenty to do is always good. And I think some people think that you need all the apps in the world and you absolutely do not, but it sounds like you have certain ones that you turn to when you need to, and then design units. And I, I pretty much do the same thing. I'm very inspired by you because I don't think about doing, you know, current or uh, somewhat past. Like Toto is my band, you know. Like, yes. So I should just do a unit on Toto. I saw you them totally in, should. I know. I saw them live, and I'm still uh, reeling from that concert. But it was it was so exciting. And there's a lot of good music from the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. So absolutely. Mm. And mm. we do, you know, we do study. I, I I want them to know, you know, the the Beethoven and the Bach and the Mozart mm-hmm. as well. And so we mm-hmm. do do units on all of that. Um, but usually it's like a one time thing for me to to introduce that, and and I'll do it like once a year, like one week we'll study Beethoven, but that's enough for them mm-hmm. um, in, in my studio because the people that have come to me are not looking for highly traditional lessons. They're often coming to me because they know that I have a contemporary flair. So let's go back to the piano side of your teaching then. So when students are on the bench with you, what is what does a lesson look like? What, what are they coming to you for? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they are coming to me for... I've got a lot of young kids and um, I like to use the piano safari method um, because it really moves around the piano. I think it's pretty, quite fun. Um, They come to me, we, we do a lot of, uh, you know, kid inspired music in, in the beginning. So I, I'm a huge fan of Wendy Stevens and all that she Mm -hmm. has put out for us. Um, The kids absolutely love her music. And we also do um, a lot of off bench time, especially in the younger years of of games and gamification. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a, a lot from uh, Nicola Canton, mm-hmm. the, um, mm-hmm. the colorful keys. I use a lot of, of her resources um, for for the games and within the teaching. Um, especially like in the past couple of weeks here, I've been using flash note derby to just kind of get back into the note names and, and you can make it very specific for the different age levels. Um, so I would say that they come to me for the being on the bench, having fun, improvising. We do have a lot of, of improvising. Um, I use music lock and mm-hmm. I use a lot of uh, Force Kinney's materials. Mm-hmm. Um, he left us a wealth of wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so improvisation. And then this year, my big thing is to get into composing. Mm. Um, that has been like a missing link for me. And I've, I've composed with my voice students uh, who wanted to create songs and I would, and they don't know how to play chords. So I would help, you know, create the music underneath their song. But I had not ventured into much composing with my, with my piano students. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be the next avenue that we are taking. Thank you, Eight Plus Eight Composium, okay. and for giving you know for giving me a little bit of courage to do that. And uh, so I'm excited to bring that around as well. Um, I guess I would say another thing that that people come to me uh, for with lessons is is 
just cord training, lead sheets. Um, I've got kids that play at their church. Um, and I've got many, many, many kids that do both voice and piano. That's a very strong thing for me. And then they will learn how to play the chords and we will go online and we'll find their favorite songs. And so they can sing and they can play at the same time. Mm, so That's a, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So now you did a l- nice little plug for the eight plus eight composium, and I truly appreciate that. Can you tell me and, and tell the listeners why that helped you now feel more confident when you are going to help your students compose? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was very beneficial for me to see the roadblocks I would put in for myself. Mm. Like um, the the fear of of perfection, the fear of not having something that was good enough. Um, So just that was the first thing was that, okay, I signed up for this and we have to get over this hurdle and you have to do this. Um, That would be number one. And I also really wanted to learn note flight um, Mm -hmm. because I want the the kids to be able to use it. I want their compositions to look professional because I think Mm -hmm. that that's really inspirational for them and to have the, the cover and all that and have the the solid piece of music that they can show at the end. Um, So we learned all about note flight. And then we really spent quite a bit of time digging into, you know, how to create. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of questions within the the teachers that took that. How do I get my student to do this? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that, the hows and and how to inspire your your students was uh, is something that I'm going to take with me and and start up in January. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah. students are lucky to have you. You were very creative before you came. I, I know you were, but yes, there there are roadblocks. I totally understand what you mean by that. Uh, so thank you for giving that feedback. I appreciate that. We'll jump right back into my conversation with Andrea, but first. I just couldn't resist the temptation to give a plug for the 8 plus 8 Composium after hearing Andrea's feedback. There's room for you in the February or April Composiums. As Andrea mentions, the Composium offers you a chance to develop and grow your creativity through composition. Eight bars at a time, you'll gradually create an original composition in what I call the safety of limitations. What's unique about the Composium is that you walk alongside seven others as they compose. It's a safe place filled with like-minded teachers. Never composed before? No worries. You're given a recipe that promises success as you make creative decisions along the way. And anyone who signs up for a 2023 Composium will receive a bonus video tutorial on a new and free video editing software platform that's fantastic for creating videos of you playing your original composition. I'm really excited about this incredible tool. Now, back to my chat with Andrea. So now... I I just need to tell you that I think it's so cool that I've seen pictures of you and your husband at amazing sites on Facebook. And I mean, all over the world, as you said, Mm -hmm. and it's so cool to know that you're doing that because of this off bench component. I never knew that. So that's why it's just been such an unexpected pleasure to have you join me today, Andrea. So thank you for that. 
Yes, absolutely. It's it's my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I you know, we've talked about it many times that if it wasn't for this, it's it's the extra boost of income that we need. Um, we take 10 weeks off in the summer, every summer, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is spent traveling and and refueling our souls and our senses. And um, this last this last year we went to Australia for almost a month. Um, oh. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was because of of the finances that I received from lab time. Mm. Um, and now this next year, we're heading to uh, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. And uh, it's we that's what we love to do. We love to travel the world. And we're just thankful to have the income to be able to do it. So hopefully that's inspiring many who have been on the fence. Should I? Should I not? Should I? So do you have any advice, any tips for someone who is considering adding an off bench component like you? I think you had to talk your parents into this addition, didn't you? Did or did you? You just no, did it because I was starting no. over. You started yeah. over. I know. See, and I did the same. I I never have had lessons without the off bench component. But do you have any tips for those who are considering this? You know what? Where would you where would you recommend them starting? Yeah. Well. I have a, a lot of tips. I would say the first thing is that you just need to dive in and and because you can overthink it and you can go, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, it comes to you over over time and you kind of find your own groove on what your lab time is going to look like. But yeah, in the beginning, it's a little terrifying. I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids and I don't know how I'm going to have two kids in there at the same time. The studio finds its own groove. So don't be afraid of that. Um, I know you said before, the kids are used to having more than one person in a room at a time while they learn. Mm-hmm. And um, so the kids don't really even bat an eyelash at it. They, they just think that it's completely normal. Um, <clears throat> So I was, that would be my first thing. The second is that it's really, it sets your studio apart to, uh, to just be very unique. Not a lot of people do the lab time component yet. Um, and when you talk to parents, like I've, I've had my parents come to me that are new and they're like, well, what is this? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you describe what it is, I've never had a parent go, well, I don't really want to do that. Every parent goes, that sounds amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting way more, you know, bang for my buck with the lesson and my kid is learning so much more and they can drop off their two kids if they have two mm-hmm. kids or sometimes even three, as we know, at the same time and the parents can go and get errands done. They don't mm-hmm. have to sit here and and wait for the next lesson with their other child because you have both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that when we are afraid of what the parents are going to think, uh, that should be almost eliminated because it's it's a benefit benefit for them. But you have to sell that sell it as a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so go into it excited and telling them all the benefits for their child and for them. Um, and really, you know, like I've calculated that it's an extra seven dollars in my lessons for the lab time. Okay. So charge for the lab time. It's mm. a lot of work. Yes, yes, and, yes. and uh, but in the scheme of things, I don't ever say to my parents, okay, the lesson is $32 and the lab time is $7. That does not happen. Right. I say your kid is with me for a solid hour and it's one-on-one. It's sometimes buddy lessons where they come together for a little while and then it's lab time. It is a package deal. And beyond 
beyond the you know $39 a lesson, it goes into that we do monthly tuition. So really they're never looking at the lesson price. It is, you are paying $150 in my world um, to send your kid to me, um, $150 a month and you are a part of my whole studio package mm -hmm. of the group lessons, of the performances, of everything. So I say, you know, charge for it, but don't ever say, you know, that this is how much I'm going to charge for the lab time. Just say, this is my new system. This is what we're going to do. Do not give them the option. No. This is what we are going to do. And here's the new price. Yeah. Period. No line items, none, none, no, none, none whatsoever. Nope. And, you know, I, I will have parents come in and say, so um, I hear your program is really cool. And I thought, oh, I have never heard of that before. But that's what you're offering is you're offering a program of music instruction. And so when you sell it like that as a package, there's no questions. And, you know, I know that some some teachers would say, well, I don't think parents want their students to be on screen all the time. And I think uh, since pandemic, that's kind of over with. We all know that screen time is real. We can't avoid it. But how do you address parents or do you have parents that even ask about that or are afraid of too much screen time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've even had parents... Uh that have said my kid is not allowed to have screen time because oh. of a b and c so what can we do um so the so in that case they get coloring and they get worksheets and um you know there's other things that we can do very tangible things and a lot of times in my studio um we do have tangible things where they're on the floor they're putting together um wendy stevens had these interval snowmen that you could put together mm -hmm. or interval yeah. um you know so they're so it doesn't always have to be the, you know, the screen time approach. Um, I use the cloth keyboard from Three Cranky Women yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can put down, all right, here's treble clef and here's bass clef. And then I'll put words in front of them that they need to spell with beads on the staff. Nice. Um, there, yeah. And I know that you do a lot of that too, you know, with, especially with worksheets, putting it in the, the plastic and they can just go uh, and they can mark their yes. intervals like you just did. Or there's a lot of things that you can do that is less screen time, or you can, you can at least do like a, you know, a 50, 50 on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge proponent of that because I don't want them on the screen all the time either. And I know that, you know, some of them really like the dry erase markers on the, and the worksheets. Some of them really do like worksheets, you know, mm -hmm. I, I could take them or leave them, but some of them really like it. And I think it's fun to have a surprise, you know, like your snowman intervals, kids walking in like, oh, we're doing that today. That's cool. You know, and just, you can't offer that element of surprise nearly as much, I think, when you don't have that off bench component. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. It, and one it allows thing, us the time. And one other thing that you mentioned too is the energy in the room. And we kind of already addressed that because kids are used to that. But I totally understand what you're saying too, because I have two new students who came to me from another teacher who only teached, who only taught in groups. And these two were like, I taught them privately over the summer, but they, they were like, can we please be in some kind of group? You know, they wanted that connection. And uh, so I have not had a problem with that either. I've had more people that would like to be with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They really, the kids feed off each other, you know, mm -hmm. and, and my kids, I have 
um, I purchased the Bose sound noise canceling headphones. I think it's very mm -hmm. important because I don't have the luxury of having them in a different room. They're yeah. they're with me as, as they are with you. And so to have really good headphones to kind of block mm -hmm. out the grand piano going on right next to their ear is very important. Yeah. But still, you know, somebody, some kid, I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, what was, what was the, you know, highlight of your week? Oh, I did this on this video game or what, you know, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden the, the, the other kid is like, are you talking about yeah. Fortnite? You know, <laughs> I like, know they're yeah. chiming in. Yeah. Yeah, okay, always so like kind of, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the energy is, it, it's just really makes it more fun. And when the kids have a sibling or another student with them, I think that a little bit more of their um, personality comes out. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, it's it's really fun, and and when there's only one kid here now, um, if somebody's sick or whatever, I kind of feel like, oh, it's quiet. <laughs> I know, I know, and I think that's one thing about teaching online lessons is I miss the off bench component. I you know I try and incorporate some of it, but it is different, I, and so. I know online is here to stay and I know what's given me opportunities, but um, I, there is something about the in-person and having the off bench component that really is uh, my wheelhouse. And it sounds like it is yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just that having the the personalities and, and just being personal with mm -hmm. the kids and, and establishing the connections uh, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's um, most exemplified when you're, when you're in the room together. So. I have a favor to ask of you now. I don't know yeah. if we can do this for sure or not, but I love hearing you sing. I think it's, <laughs> um, you just have such an amazing voice. Oh, I'm wondering you. if we could add a little bit of you singing to the end of the podcast. Oh, golly, you put me <laughs> on the spot. I know. Yes. Now, what we could do is do a recording or we could just, yes, we could do a little bit of Andrea unplugged and sure, sure. Yes. <laughs> all right um so how about a little bit of uh Etta James Ooh, okay I don't okay. know Etta James tell us about Etta James Etta James the great jazz singer she's famous for at last okay so which you will hear at every wedding possible and I have or wedding band um which I have okay. been a part of many so at last my love has come along, my lonely days are over, and life is a last song, oh, oh yeah, yeah, at last, the skies above are blue, my heart was wrapped in clover. The night I looked at you. How's that? Oh, that's like smooth as silk. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> well, I think thank everybody's going to have to put that and rewind and listen to that a couple times. I wish everyone could see you. I might have to <laughs> edit that and add, add that little video somewhere. Andrew, that go. was such a treat. Thank you so much. And thank oh. you for your wonderful spirit. Your, your students are so lucky to have you. I can just tell that they are blessed by your presence and your well, countenance you. and um, your knowledge too. And I thank you for putting a new twist on music history. Uh, I'm inspired. I can't wait to check out some of these things. And we'll make sure we add those to the show notes. And of course, okay. give you a uh, plenty of shout outs with your uh, where we can find you on social media and your website. And again, thank you so much, Andrea. Yeah, thank you, Leah. It was a pleasure. Isn't Andrea's story and voice inspiring? 
I particularly liked how she is highlighting today's artists during off bench time. If you are new to what off bench time is, head to the show notes where I include a link with more details. I've encouraged Andrea to write up a unit so we can benefit from all of her hard work. I'm crossing my fingers that someday soon, her cool off bench resources will be featured at lelovis.com. Head to the show notes to find links to all the resources Andrea mentions, including puzzle.org. That website is pure gold. I'm Lee Levis, and see you in the trenches on and off the bench. (laughs) 